And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. This is the app that allows you last-minute tickets, uh, easy checkout, great selection. It's a great way to save money, uh, to get into the games, the concerts, all those things you want to see uh, more than anything else. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the Billings section, redeem the code THE ATHLETIC. Once again, that's THE ATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem this code, and it expires at the end of the year, so December 31st, 2019. Make your move quickly and score those last-minute tickets you want so badly. Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you here. Allison Lucan is with you there. Hello. And the Blue Jackets have their New Year's Eve game tonight. Florida Panthers in town. You know their goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, well. Uh, Allison, this has been a rather... Um, Boy, what's the word? Calamitous? Incredulous? Uh, last 36 hours yes. for the Blue Jackets. Yes. Uh, to the point where, oh yeah, Bob's coming back tonight with the Panthers, is almost like the fourth best story. Agree. I, or fourth most compelling story. Um, wow. We start with uh, Eunice Corposalo. He's out. Uh, weeks, John Tortorella says, knee injury. The Blue Jackets have not, as of yet, uh, had a uh, released a diagnosis. They've not released a timeline for his recovery. Um, so we'll pass those details on to you as soon as we get them. But it's it's weeks. It's not uh, it's not you know seven to ten days. It's probably I think when they say weeks, that you start. At, three or four and go right. from there right so we'll see where that goes um and we'll get to corpusalo here and just what a kick that is but uh what this does of course is make elvis merzlikens now uh the starting goaltender for the columbus blue jackets 
wow, this is a guy that they have not trusted to play, that they have not uh, given the pipes to during this recent run of play because uh, A, Corpus has played so well, B, Merzlikens has played so not well, uh, giving up early goals, chasing the game, etc. This is, let's just talk straight to, to Merzlikens, uh, Allison, this is the opportunity he has waited for. This is not the way he's wanted to get it. But how, oh, how, uh, how tenuous is this right now to put this team and this young goaltender's hands? Nothing against his ability, just A, the way he's played, B, the amount of work he's had. You're putting a really raw, rusty guy in the net. Uh, and and saying, okay, you know, you carry the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, and and you kind of, you got to feel for the kid a little bit in terms of how this, this comes to be for him because for me right now, the concern is the rust um, more than anything. And that, unfortunately, if there is a lot of rust, is going to not only impact his performance, but opinions and reactions and, and all of that kind of thing, because this is a guy who hasn't played for two weeks, um, except for one shot <laughs> against Patrick Kane in a shootout, um, which I don't even really consider playing time. But uh, there's going to be rust. Um, I think that, you know, I've repeatedly said that they've got to give him playing time to, to see what he can be. Um, they haven't given him a lot. And, you know, we were talking with some folks after practice yesterday, and um, you have to think it was perhaps a, a lot going on in his head um, last night and today as he prepares for this because the weight of the situation, while not all under his control, feels bigger than maybe it should be, but, it, but it's the reality of what it is. Yeah. He hasn't played, as you said, since December, I think it was 14th. 14th, correct. And then he played 20 minutes. That's right. He was pulled from a start against Ottawa after the first period. His previous start, I believe, was December 7th. And that was at a time when the Blue Jackets had looked like they were starting to turn this thing over to the future, and he was going to start playing more often. And then a funny thing happened on the way to development. The Blue Jackets started winning. Corpus Allo started playing like crazy, made nine of the last ten starts before he was uh, injured. And and Elvis started to sit, didn't even go to Cleveland right. uh, to play. And there were some weird scheduling things in there that sort of precluded that. But, I mean, you want to say to people, okay, this is going to take a few games for him to get up to speed here. I don't think there's going to be that grace period from people. And I, I think that extends to the head coach. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's – I mean, again, it it is what it is. It it feels a little unfair, but as as John Tortorella often says, this is an unforgiving game. Um, it does feel like the kind of opportunity, though, that Elvis could could jump on. The I'll show you. The people aren't believing in me, and I'm going to take this and run with it. But I think if there there's there's different there's always different levels of evaluation and Tortorella has talked about this you know he's got a balance between trying to win games and evaluating young talent and in this situation for me there is of course the importance of is he winning games right now but if you're looking at the player like you said if you really want to understand who this player is you also have to look at this in terms of a, a couple game ramp up period and see where he is 3 games in um before 
you decide that you figured out who he is when, when we talk about a long-term perspective. Um, so there, there's, there's two, le- for me, there's going to be two levels of analysis going on here in terms of what he does in, in the net. Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me is, and I want that timeline. I want to know how long Corpus Salas is going to be out. For sure. Uh, a, because I just want to know, but B, I think it then builds to a different question. If he's out long-term, say two months, if it's a groin injury, they say it's a knee injury, you it's a groin injury, you think it's much longer. If it's a knee injury, it can be all over the place. It can be arthroscopic three to four weeks. It could be surgery three months, whatever. Right. If it's long-term, I think Yarmo Kekalainen, just back from his scouting tour, confronts a really big decision. Mm-hmm. Do I save this season and go make a trade? Do I? Is this season worth saving, and do I go make a trade? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not in a great position to make a trade right, right. now. Right. Um, these general managers around the league, I say this with the most respect I can, I can garner. It's true, but they're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it reaches the point where you are desperate, the, it's scarcity. The yep. price goes up, yep. right? It's demand, supply and demand. Um, and so he's not in a great position to, to acquire a goaltender. It's worth noting that Comrie, is it Eric Comrie, the goaltender? Mm-hmm. He was just picked up on waivers the other day. Um, by someone, that's a guy you'd have to think they would have claimed if that just happened a day later. Right. Um, but I, where does this go, Allison? If if Corpusalo is out two months, is this a is this a time where Yarmo Kekalainen has to respond and make a trade, or or doing nothing is because you know t- to our point they've got to be patient with with Elvis. Right. It may take him a few games. Even if he comes in locked in right away, he can't play every game. That's right. So now, now who's the backup in Columbus, and what what are they going to do with that? I, I mean, Kivlenix is here. He has not been the better goalie in Cleveland. Right. He's here so that uh, Vinny Vavalainen, I assume, can keep playing there. Do they give starts? Do they bring Vavalainen up for starts when Merzlikens needs a blow because he's going to need a blow? I, this is the almost the worst case scenario we've talked about since the summertime. You wonder how he proceeds from here. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, looking at the schedule, because first of all, absolutely, totally agree with you. Even if Merzlikens goes gangbusters, um, he can't play 20 games in a row. I I just don't think, I I think that's improper management of of the player. And, you know, I look at the schedule. You've asked all the right questions. We need to know how long Corpus is out, because here's how this shakes out for this team right now. They have 11 games before the All-Star break. And remember, they get a week in there, basically, because they get a bye week and then the All-Star weekend. So so they have a stretch there. They have a stretch of eight days. Now, of course, they'll resume practice before then, but they have a stretch of eight days, so they get another week in there. If you you think you're going to get Corpusalo back in that time frame, if you think that weeks equates to a month, so he's back February 1st, which is their first game after the, the All-Star break and bye week. I think you can try and ride it out. Um, and maybe you do have to give, you call Vevelinen up, you're doing some swapping back and forth in the back end there. I don't know. I think you can ride it out there. Maybe Elvis plays eight. The other guy plays two, because there's two back-to-backs in there as well. Yeah. Um, and the California trip. So... Um, Maybe you try it with that, but if we're looking at longer than that, um, it's it, 
you're almost gonna have to look at where this team is. I, again, for me, that the 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 decision point for all these things is that all star break, because yeah. when is is Corpusalo going to be back, and where is this team at at that point um, yeah. to to decide how much you pay, if anything, um, to get a backup in there? Uh, that's that's how I'm looking at it right now. So Elvis now in his last four starts, and again, that's going back a ways because he's played so sparingly, has allowed a goal on one of the first three shots he's faced. Mm-hmm. That, to me, seems to be absolutely imperative tonight against Florida that there be some sort of base of confidence early in this game for him to build on. That's something that I'm watching for. Um but an interesting turn yesterday, Allison. This uh, young, vibrant, uh, dare I say, um, charming young man, uh, loquacious, if I may use a, a $10 word. This guy loves to talk. Yeah. He's incredibly engaging. Um, he's got great stories. He's a fascinating history, as we've, as we've often discussed. He is... <laughs> requested for the media and and the blue jackets pr staff says he's coming but it'll be brief (laughs) that's interesting yeah elvis brief and then elvis proceeds to say that um all due respect i'm not talking to you people no he didn't say it quite that bluntly uh but after talking to manny legacy after talking to the coaches after talking to the organization which one assumes means management um he he i'm quoting now says we end up with the result that i would like to ask you guys all to leave me alone i want to just focus i want to focus on my moment and then he went on to say this is this is so elvis it's fantastic uh this is my moment i want to just try to focus in it to try to play my game and try to finally get in my skin and feel myself Mm mm-hmm um this is an interesting approach i'm not offended by this approach i'm going to want to know his insights when he wins his first game and he's going to win his game his first game at some point um i wonder though if this is the way to go because this doesn't this isn't act normal this is act unusual this is take it to a different place instead of just carrying on in the normal processes of things I wonder if this is going to be an effective approach. Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, what I'm curious about is, you know, first and foremost, I'll say this too. I think that as we have with any individual who is, is English is not their first language. I mean, he's very good with his English, but there's still some things in there that I think if you take literally, I think you're not providing the proper allowance um, in terms of what he's saying to us, what struck me as interesting is the comments that after speaking with coaches, after speaking with management, um, you know, we some I've seen some people say that this is a strategy he has taken before um, with his previous teams, but you know how much of this is the organization raising some of the same points we already talked through and saying you need to keep your head down and really focus on this. This is a key, key time, and we need you focused on the game, not on seizing the op- perceive, maybe being perceived to seize the opportunity from a PR perspective, if you will. I'm oversimplifying that. But uh, yeah. it, it, listen, 
Sergei Bobrovsky wouldn't talk on game days. I mean, that was just kind of an unwritten rule. There's there's other players who have had quirks like that. And I think if we single out Elvis for this in this moment, we're not really being fair. Because I think there might be some stuff we don't know that went into this decision. Well, I think Elvis is singling out himself with this. Is That's my point. Tom Barrasso never, rarely spoke in Pittsburgh at, at times. He would go through moments where he was um, not the easiest guy to be around. Other goalies have done this. I just wonder and worry that this you're make you're not you're not treating this opportunity that he has now in front of him as normal. Now you put totally. a different, bigger thing on it. You you can't spend five right. minutes today <clears throat> talking to the media, right? Because you you're going to go somewhere now instead of this time where you'd be talking to people and telling fans what you're thinking about coming into your your first start at home. No, instead you're going to go somewhere else in this building and you're going to sit down and focus. Yeah, like please. Um, again, if he wins tonight, it's a great story. Right. And it's not it, it's not a you and I saying, boy, I really want to talk to Elvis today. It's 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 more wanting uh, our job is to pass the information on to readers. Yeah. P- people are going to fans are going to want to know what Elvis is thinking after this game. It's a shame if he's not able to share that with people. And I think it makes this the situation feel again bigger and and abnormal when it should be as normal as possible i think they're worried about what the guy is going to stay yeah uh, i think they have since he got here and it just reached a reached a point um i worry that it's it's like early stage bridge Golov, <laughs> where that got like really weird in philadelphia and didn't need to yeah um but so we'll see i i just i don't like the idea of of pulling him away from normalcy right at a time when he really starts to act like this is his this is his show right. um elvis merzlikens the starter tonight um florida panthers in town sergey Bobrovsky comes back um you know it, it, this is there's so many levels allison in which the corpusalo injury last night was or two nights ago was just oh like yeah, sports can break your heart sometimes. Yeah, this kid had played so well, uh, named his first All Star game. Ugh, so brutal yesterday. Yeah, and it seems now like unlikely that he'd be able to play in it. Um, don't know yet, but it seems unlikely. Um, and and tonight's a big night. I mean, it, yeah. you know, for all the feelings that people have about Bobrovsky, um, this was this was Corpusalo's, um Overlord, he was the understudy to Sergey for right. the last four years. Those guys got along pretty damn well most of the of the time, and now he's having a better season than Bobrovsky has dramatically yeah. so. Yeah, and and this game, which so many people have pointed to, now he's going to miss this game uh, in the early stages of his recovery. How bad do you feel for for that kid who's finally who's waited, worked his butt off, done exactly, has been brought along perfectly? I must say by the organization has thrived this year and now has is such a bitter, bitter disappointment. Yeah, and, and Tortorella said this yesterday too. And it, like I talked about looking at Elvis in a couple levels, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing here. It's, it, it, it's unfortunate given the level at which his play was at for sure for the team. But like you said, this is a guy who has just gone through it. Um, we can go all the way back to when Bobrovsky was, was hurt twice in one season and Corpusalo comes up, gets a, gets a good sniff, 
and then is just bounced around. He goes back and forth to Cleveland. He doesn't see playing time because Bob is Bob was Bob in Columbus. Um, and to finally get this shot, to finally be coming into his own, to own the net, to really backstop this team. Not just be a good goaltender in net, but to be a significant part of what the team is doing. And, and we can feel, and, and I think, you know, hopefully fans and readers can feel too, just in the way the team talks about him as well. They love playing for him also. You just have to feel for this kid. Um, just it, it just has to suck. <laughs> There's no other word right. for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen this how many times through the years too with injuries. Right. Um, this is a tough but a fair question, I think, and I posed it to John Tortorella yesterday. Uh, you and I sat up there in that all too comfortable seat where the decisions are much easier, right? And wondered for weeks now how much can Corpusalo take right i think it's uh fitting maybe ironic that with sunday's start he set a new personal high for nhl starts in a season 31 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and nhl games in a season 32 of course we must note that the season's not even half over yet right so if you extrapolate probably corpus starts I don't know if he didn't. He would have started tonight. I'm sure. Um, he's on pace for 65 plus starts with the way that he's going. We don't know that injury. If that's a wear and tear injury, if that's a just got his foot caught in the netting a second right. earlier and right. it got weird. But how much blame do the Blue Jackets and John Tortorella share in this? In him getting injured, we talked about the inevitable of him getting injured if he continued to play this this much where are we at with this Allison yeah I mean it's it's for me it's definitely a fair question particularly when we are looking at a league where across the league strategically teams are working to put less on their starting goaltenders for overall performance reasons including postseason play. Um, Toronto just came out yesterday and said that they are going to intentionally not play their starter, Anderson, more than 60 games, period, because he was too tired last year at the end of the season and going into the postseason. And you just laid out the numbers. Corpusalo at this pace, would exceed that number. Um, I you look at it from a league strategy point, it, it concerned me. And you look at it from a player management point, and it concerned me because, and I think I said this after the game uh, the other night, but if you can run a 5K, yeah, you can go out and run a marathon, but you're going to be pretty wrecked <laughs> after you run that marathon. Yeah. Um, right. You have to manage not just ability, but endurance and recovery. And this schedule has been a game every other day. And I know these are professional athletes, but as you said, this has been this has been on my mind for a while. Um, and I, again, I just hope for a full and fast recovery for him because you really don't want this to be something that waylays him long term and even past this season because we still don't know what it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, this is such an awkward. This has been such an awkward progression at that position this year. Like you, not the Corpusello part with Bobrovsky. That's the easy part of this. Right. The difficult thing has been, what do you do with Elvis? Mm-hmm. And right. And so, 
El, we we all you know we had the story a year ago, maybe a year ago this time. No, it was a little later in the spring about Elvis's contractual demands and how he needed to, he needed to sign a contract, an NHL contract that finished him in Columbus and counted as a year last year, so that this year he could be assured of of having the contract he wanted on a one way contract. Right. There's a lot more specifics to it, but that's the the gist of it. He wanted a one way contract. He wanted to be an NHL goaltender. Mm-hmm. He's coming to North America to play in the NHL, not in the American Hockey League. And the Blue Jackets knew this. The Blue Jackets thought that he was ready, think that he's ready to play in the National Hockey League. But you're pairing a guy who's used to playing 70 games with a guy, uh, Corpusalo, who's now ready to be a number one and deserves the net. Mm-hmm. You're also dealing with the guy, Merzlikens, who's not used to playing in North America. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to get Merzlikens playing time, but you've got to get Corpusalo the number one job that he has waited for deserves and deserves further with his play. It just, it, it, they needed to, to, they need a veteran pro goalie in there. But even that doesn't fix it because Elvis has to be at the NHL level. So it's just it has been a really weird position this year, and now they're going to find out about Elvis, but they're doing it because their their lead guy is out. I don't think they've mishandled it. I just think it's been a difficult thing. I think it's been a difficult hand that they have been dealt. I do think at some point they needed to say enough with Corpy. Yep. Merzlikens is getting a start today. He's going to play. Just shut up. He's going to play. Right. Enough. Right. It's not the it's not the today decision, but it's the it's the better t- decision so that you can keep things going as they're uh, long term. Well, um, with the big picture in mind. And and I mean, there were a couple games that you and I supposed that Elvis would start in this ten game stretch. Um, I think there, those opportunities did exist. And again, I'll go back to if you look across the league, teams are going to, they're still a number one, that player gets, but that player gets maybe 50, 55 games. Yes. And they're the, they're the better goaltender. They're the number one. The, all of the respect and uh, trappings, if you will, that come with that term exist. But again, it goes back to load management. This is a position that we are seeing you can't ride too hard if you want sustained performance over an 82-game-plus season. And so I think that they Corpusalo could still be the number one and Elvis could get more games than he's gotten for all yeah. the reasons that you just outlined. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Corpusalo, we'll hope, we hope to get a, an update here. Maybe this morning, later today, we're, we're trying to find out exactly how long he's out, and we'll pass it along to you as soon as we can. Um, what a, As we mentioned, what a wild 24 hours it was in Columbus. Allison, do you remember the, the start of the third period against Chicago on Sunday? Mm-hmm. It was such a simpler time. <laughs> the Blue Jackets are ahead to do nothing. They're not playing worth a shit, I don't think, after the first period. But they're up two to nothing. The Blackhawks, honestly, that was one of the the first two periods by them. 
especially the first. It's one of the worst performances I've, I think I've ever seen by a team mm. in Nationwide Arena. And I don't understand how a team with Taves, with Kane, with – they've got a lot of issues on that roster, but they still have some players that can play. I have no idea how they could play that awfully. Totally. Um, that's one of those where you, you make a coaching change mid-game if it looks like that because it's just atrocious. And if the Blue Jackets somehow let them hang around – which is the cardinal sin? They at two nothing, they stopped. They stopped playing the way they got to two nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, and then Corpusala gets hurt. But but before all of this, the the moments that really set things off here in Columbus. Huh, the Blue Jackets take a penalty in overtime, as they always tend to do. Let's <laughs> keep things interesting. They killed it this time, and they survived. And then Chicago takes a too many men on the ice penalty. In the dying seconds of overtime, you've probably heard all this. I'll be brief. The whistle appears to blow around 19.2. The whistle, and Allison, you pulled the clip that shows this. The whistle, sto- the clock stops at 18.9. And then for some reason starts again and start stops at 18.1. I don't know if there's a trigger finger there. Oh, shit, I hit, it, hit the button. Right, right. I'm not sure what happens there. The Blue Jackets asked officials... Uh, you could see how pissed off Felino was slamming a stick on the ice. They asked officials to go back and review the game clock and put some seconds on it. According to the league, officials, not not uh, Dan O'Halloran, but his, his uh, partner, skated over to the game clock operator, which they are free to do, asked him if he felt there was a mistake made on the clock. They, were, they say they were told no. Uh, and then they informed the Blue Jackets bench through Bradshaw there will be no review of the clock. The Blue Jackets are incensed. There's a timeout going on, so that it, it's not something that would have slowed the, the pace of the game down. But they say, nope, not going to look at it. Let's go. Let's go drop the puck. And as fate would have of it, course. I mean, right? Zach Wierenski scores, by my rough, unscientific count, about two-tenths of a second after the buzzer sounds, yep. or the light goes on, most yep. importantly. That goal would have counted if they had gone back and put time on the clock. They would not have had a shootout if that goal would have counted because they went back and put time on the clock. Eunice Corposalo would not have been injured if they didn't have a shootout, which they would not have had if they went back and put the time on the clock. And then we have John Tortorella's rant after the game, 45-second rant. Um... He's going to get fined. Allison is just a matter of the league figuring out how much, uh, letting him twist in the wind a bit here. This is this has been something that through the years that's that's gone on between the league and Corpusalo or and Tortorella. This would be the fourth at least time that he's been fined. Um, what did you make of Torts's outburst? I think the consensus by most is that well, he's not wrong. Right. Um, there's some who say that's classic Torts. He went over the top. The league, of course, is pissed because he makes the league look bad. Um, what do you make of his his now memorable rant? I mean, for me, I agree he's not wrong. And what's, you know, as I've pondered this and we've talked about culture and, and mindset in the past in, in far more important contexts, but if, if, this is a con, if this is a league where the context is it's not okay to say I got something wrong, right, that, that's right. a big problem. 
Um, and if Dan, you know, Nick Foligno openly said, he's like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't really wanting to listen to me because Foligno owned that he'd been yapping at him for the penalty in overtime earlier. But like, I get it, but come on, just because someone yapped at you, you can't listen to them make a point if their role as captain is to ask, challenge those kinds of questions. And if you're the clock operator and someone asks you if you did something, if you made a mistake, instead of just, and I, I don't know what happened there, but did you go back and look at it? Because if you look at it, I don't know how you don't see the time come off. Um, and, you know, Felino said this to us yesterday, too. He said, it, and he's, he's past it. He's not harping on it. He was responding to our questions about it. But um, he said this happens all the time. They put time back on the clock in well, games. You see it all the time. Absolutely. You see it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I... I, mean, I you see it in the first period of a, of a nothing game. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's... So I, I think Torts was right. I also think there's an element of this that is classic Torts that that rant took the focus onto him and off of his players. And what happened in that game and obviously the, the injury to Corpusalo. And this is something that the coach does and that the players appreciate because now everyone's talking about him and not about how in the world do you give up a 2 nothing lead, et cetera, so forth in that moment. So I think there's an element of that for, for me too. But I found it interesting because now there's kind of this war of words going on, um, the public that we see. There's quite a few people, at least, that, that I'm seeing respond to this saying, no, no, because Tor- Torts apologized basically yesterday, um, which you knew he had to do. It, it just had to happen. People saying, no, don't apologize. But you have to challenge this stuff publicly. So it's, I, I mean, listen, it, it's Torts. He's one of the most fascinating people to cover, and he was right. I, I, don't, I don't know that other than asking about a Corpusalo update, which he probably would not have given us at that time. I mean, he kind of covered the salient points of the game. <laughs> it wasn't like he refused to speak to the media. Um, it, it, it's classic torts. It is. I think the stuff that gets him in trouble is the stubbornness, is the calling out the officials. Absolutely. That's the stuff Absolutely. that's the league. And, you know, the league is like, no, do this in private. And we're like, no, don't do it out. No, tell right. us by all means. It doesn't do any good to deal with it in public. I'm not sure it does or with in private. I'm not sure it does any good to deal with it in public either because these things still continue to happen. Um, what I find interesting is that th- this is the most support around the league that, that John Tortorella has ever had. Mm-hmm. Right? He's such a polarizing figure. And I've got a million Th- uh, tweets in my timeline from people saying, "Listen, as a Caps fan, or right, hey, right. I'm a Pens fan, but or listen, I I I'm a Canucks fan, and Torts, blah blah blah, like you know, I don't. Let me just as an aside here, I love the Pens fans to start with. As a Pens fan, which <laughs> basically is saying, sit down, I know what I'm talking about. You will hear me now. Um, but everyone is supporting of this. The league just can't have coaches." blasting them after a mistake like that but um that's their that's their point well sure but you know i it's funny i was thinking about this and um there was there was it happened 
it's ha- there's a couple things that have happened this year that, and, and we, we know that Columbus does not draw the national attention that some other teams do, and, and we get it. Um, I am not saying that Columbus is on the national perspective, whether that's right or wrong, with a Toronto or even a Pittsburgh or a Washington. Conspiracy theory. Stop it. But, you know, it was funny. There was an offsides call that overturned a goal in a Montreal game the same night that it happened here in Columbus earlier this year. And everyone was talking about the Montreal game and no one mentioned the Columbus game. Right. And... You know, now over in Pittsburgh, they're getting rid of morning skates and people are saying, oh, this is this is a great new strategy in the NHL. Well, John Tortorella has been doing it for how many years? Yeah. So teams, teams have things happen, all teams, that may beg the question at a national level that this is just something that needs to be looked at. And so in his way, I mean, who's, who's talking about getting time right in games all the time? If John Tortorella doesn't do what he does, because it's 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 not a story that's just going to happen nationally otherwise. So in that sense, he 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 brings to your point where people from other teams are now saying, "Oh my gosh, you're right. That isn't okay. It it should be correct. Yeah. It should be accurate." Yeah. Well, and I think if longtime fans of the Blue Jackets will remember two incidences that that sprang to mind. For me, the other night was is the game in Los Angeles, 2011-12, oh. oh. where the clock is under three seconds. It's it's moving, really, it's moving as it should, and then with 1.8 seconds left, it stops. Right, and it appears to be stopped for at least a full second, maybe two. It then restarts. Uh, Drew Doughty scores during a time that would not have been on the clock if it had not stopped, and the Kings win, and you're like, okay, okay, that, oh, that's hilarious. That's like high school basketball stuff where right. the person puts his finger on the timer to help the home team. Like, come on, um, no, no going back on that either. The Blue Jackets just lost deal with it. Okay, next game, right? And then there was a game before that. I think maybe the season before that um, against the. I want to say it was against the Wild, and the, it's at home. The Blue Jackets aren't going well. This is this was a when Twitter was just really starting to take off. Right, too. right. And Paul Dvorsky um, skates, makes a call that nobody in the building agrees with. That happens all the time. Dvorsky, instead of just hanging out in the neutral zone away from the away from the debris, skates down to the corner of the ice, and the fans are just on him. And Paul Dvorsky makes a face as though he's a baby crying, taunting the fans. An NHL official. <sighs> They continue, the fans now get their backs way up, and they're screaming at him. And he extends, this is the fans saying this, he extends a middle finger to his eye and acts like he's wiping right. tears from his eyes. Now, I don't know that, that Paul Dvorsky was at that time aware of the power of Twitter. Right. But we just got inundated my on Twitter, like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what just happened. He just did this. Um, and the league disciplined Dvorsky, never announced it publicly, but that was, again, was nothing to see here moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it would help the league if they would acknowledge mistakes that were made. The NFL does. Absolutely. Um, but there's no <laughs> there's no evidence that that's going to 
to happen. So on it goes. I would suspect, and we reported this last night, that Gary Bettman and Colin Campbell, the the uh, NHL's director of hockey apps, are going to talk at the Winter Classic. One of the items on their agenda is a fine for John Tortorella. Again, he's been fined at least three times previously that we know about, $60,000 total. Um, and another one's coming. I don't know if this one's bigger because he's a recidivist, Allison, or if it's <laughs> uh, if it's taken on its own merits, but something to watch. So, whew, this was a crazy stretch for the Blue Jackets. The Panthers are in town tonight. Um, what do we need to get to, Allison, if there's anything we missed? I, I, th- <laughs> I think we've covered it. Um, it was good to see um, Cam Atkinson s- took some skate yesterday. Emil Bemstrom and Sonny Milano both took the full practice. Um, so on the injury front, uh, there might be some some good news coming, maybe. A glimmer. A glimmer. Um, but other than that, just thanks to everyone who, who reads and listens and, and watches and interacts and uh, we do this because we have all of your support so uh thank you for another calendar year um and happy new year to everybody yes well said and i we were wondering yesterday at the rink allison if when the if the nhl or perhaps the kings run the clock tonight on new year's eve if it's going to three (laughs) two amazing one <laughs> happy new year uh we'll have to wait and see uh, i ran some numbers allison i've got my own numbers you may oh. be you may be a stats queen i've got my own numbers here i'm ready the blue jackets first decade on the ice so 2000 to 2009 they were 262 343 and 93 okay 442 winning percentage 30th in the league you'll recall there were only 30 teams then. yes yes 2010 to 2019, the Blue Jackets, 382, 321, and 80. 539 winning percentage, 21st in the league. Hmm. And now, remember how awful 10, 11, 11, 12 were. Oof, brutal. 14, 15, 15, 16. Um, leading score for the first decade on the ice, Allison? Le- the leading score for the first decade? Well, is it? Well, see, this is what we did last. Is it Rick Nash? It's got to be Rick Nash, yeah. yeah. Now, but uh, 392, 392 points. The, this, is, this was really fascinating to me. The next four, Vaborny, okay. Zherdev, Sanderson, Malhotra. Wow. Right? From 2010 to 2019, the leading scorer is, do you want to guess or you want me to just throw it out there? Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson. And then the next four are Felino, Dubinsky, Jenner, and Ryan Johansson. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Joey's still on that list for not having been here that long. Yeah. But anyways, so those numbers and more uh, will be, we'll thumb up on the uh, blog tonight after the game. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching and happy new year to everybody. We will be back with you on Friday. Talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.